Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey everyone, I'm Brenda. And I'm Julia. And you're listening to Roaring Twenties Podcast. Your 20s are known as both the most exciting and most confusing years of your life. We're here to share our stories, to have real and raw conversations, and best of all, to make you feel a little less alone. This podcast was brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Roaring 20s Podcast. Today, we have on with us Michaela Hu. Michaela is a writer, lifestyle entrepreneur, and chronic illness coach. She's the co-founder and CEO of Chronically Hack, a world-renowned online course about how to navigate the confusing world of chronic illness. Michaela is also the co-founder of My July, a plant-based and gentle skincare brand born out of her chronic illness that embraces the harmonious bond between humans and nature. She serves as a mentor in the Global Lyme Alliance peer-to-peer mentor program, and she's currently writing her first memoir, which is so crazy. We'll get to that later. Michaela, we are so excited to have you on the show. Thank you so much for being here with us. Thank you for having me. That was quite an intro. Good. I hope you liked it. (laughs) We're so excited to have you. I'm so excited to talk about My July. The brand is gorgeous and beautiful, both in its appearance and how it works and feels and smells. I'm so obsessed with it. We talked the other week about how uh, I've been trying to like switch over to more clean skincare and products and blah, blah. And we'll get into like all that good stuff. But I literally talk about it with like everyone in my life now. I'm like, everyone needs to like switch to clean things. It's my uh, new campaign. So I'm excited you're here to talk about clean products with us too, Michaela. Oh, yay. I'm so excited yay. to talk about it. Okay, so let's let's start at the beginning. Tell us a little bit about you, who you are, where you're from, and if you don't mind saying how old we are since it's Roaring Twenties. Yeah, so I barely qualify for this podcast now. <laughs> I'm 29. You qualify. But I, qualify. <laughs> but I feel like just I'm just younger, like just internally. I know that mm. like such a cliche. Age is just a number. And I feel a lot younger than I actually am. But I was born in Long Island and we chatted off air about this. Yes. All from Long Island, which is crazy. So harmonious. In the city where I was born, Mineola. Mm -hmm. So um, I was born on Long Island and I developed mold most likely in utero. Like we're just getting off on a really... I guess um strong start strong yeah strong start I'm like how do I like introduce my um my chronic illness and everything it's been no we're especially here on this show like we like to get deep and we like to really go for it yeah yeah I'm like okay well okay (laughs) so um the house that I was conceived in and grew up in for the first two years of my life had toxic black mold that we didn't know about until we went to sell the house two years later and we did work on the house and we tore down walls and then we discovered all this black mold. So ever since I can remember, I have never felt well. So that's my Mm -hmm. theory of how all of my chronic illnesses started. And it just takes one thing and then everything just kind of snowballs after that with chronic illness. Mm -hmm. So after we moved, um, when I was two, we moved to Connecticut and we had an acre of property and we had 
a beautiful backyard where deer would traipse around all the time. We had two golden retrievers. And I remember my mom pulling ticks off of our dogs. Mm. So, and with the deer and we had a stone wall, which uh, is just a huge uh, area where ticks like to colonize on stone walls and on bark from trees. Mm. Just looking back at my youth and formative years growing up there the forces were against me and on top of that I went to a really adorable private school an elementary school um, that was in the woods and we would play all over the woods during recess like during science class my science teacher would have us be hands-on and like take us on Mm -hmm. nature walks and I just really love to be outside I feel like there's a lot more like awareness now and talk about like after you play outside or with your kids or go on hike, like check for ticks. And I feel like that wasn't really like a thing when we were growing up. Like, I don't remember my parents ever like checking me for ticks, but I know now like because there's so much talk about it, like every time after Mm -hmm. like me and my boyfriend go for a hike, like we check for ticks. Like it's just much more talked about now than it was back then. I completely agree. I was actually talking to someone about this a few weeks ago and they're like, oh, so like your school never taught you about tick checks or like any like tick awareness. And I was like, no. no. And they're like, your family never like, you know, educated you. I was like, no. I was like, were we really that like misinformed? Were we yeah, really? It just like really wasn't that talked yeah. about. Yeah. And we're all from tick territory. Yeah. So like, <laughs> that makes me feel better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. No, you're not alone. Yeah. Not at all. Yeah. So I never discovered a tick on me or anything like that. I um, had eczema growing up. So even if I got the classic bullseye rash, which actually only happens to 25% or less of those bit by ticks, mm-hmm. I probably wouldn't even have noticed because I had rashes all over my body all the time. Wow. So um, I don't remember like any specific instance of just like, oh, like, night and day like one day I'm well and one day I'm sick mm. so mm-hmm. also growing up I wouldn't get the flu or a cold or any of the classic sicknesses that kids often get not that like it's normal to get the flu but I always experienced weird kind of not really mainstream symptoms mm-hmm. like joint pain and ringing in my ears dizziness digestive issues I mentioned my eczema and when you're like four or five years old like that's not normal it's not normal Mm -hmm. to experience joint pain that young but growing up that way that's all I knew so I was like okay I guess that's just me I guess that's just a random quirk that I have and I'm gonna have to deal with and live with so I didn't think that it was not normal and I had friends in school that were lactose intolerant or allergic to like pollen and stuff like that and I was like okay well I guess that's just my version of it Mm -hmm. so I tried to normalize it I didn't tell my parents because I thought that like what's there to tell because it's not like Mm -hmm. there's anything weird about me right what I'm gonna have to deal with except for my eczema that I couldn't hide so my mom would take me to the pediatrician and she would write me a prescription for a steroid-laden ointment and then I'd go get the prescription filled, use that. And it was an endless cycle mm-hmm. that was just like perpetually me trying the ointment, it working a few months later, it flaring up again, my eczema would flare up again. And then I'd have to go back to the doctor, get a different prescription. And that was just this endless cycle that I couldn't seem to break free of. 
And I didn't tell my parents about my digestive issues or my joint pain or the ringing in my ears or any of that. I had crippling anxiety too. That was just like triggered by nothing. Mm -hmm. And I just chalked it up to me being very creative and an mm. out-of-the-box thinker. And I knew that a lot of people who are creative have anxiety or depression. It kind of comes with a package deal there. Yeah. So I thought that that was the case for me. Mm. So um, my mom was, would just take me to the doctor. And I um, never went to the doctor about my gut issues because I didn't tell my parents about that. Right. So I don't know how much further, like, I'm a very yeah. long winded person. I can, like, continue. No, no, that's okay. My entire I, mean, I feel like there are so many little things, well, big things that, that stand out that I feel like we always come back to on the show. And I feel like something that's really, like, relatable to people, regardless of what category or what, like, circumstance they're struggling with, is so many people do have this, like, almost automatic way of thinking of, oh, this must just be the way that I am kind of, or like this must be like my struggle or things like that. So I'm so grateful that we have people like you on the show to talk to and to kind of normalize in the sense of like, oh, you're not the only person in the world struggling with this. Like I think there is something, something that we actually talked about with our friend Haley that Michaela knows is um, just like feeling alone in your body kind of or feeling alone with what you're going through. And I think it's just, it's so beautiful to be able to talk about things like this and make people feel like they're not the only one, first of all. But then also to kind of bring a lot of these issues to light because it is like now we just discussed that, you know, people talk about, you know, check for ticks or things like that more. But especially when we were younger, like there are so many little things, even surrounding mental health in general, that like people didn't talk about therapy all the time. People didn't talk about their feelings as often, you know, so it's really it's cool to be able to see that now and how those things are changing and to be able to add to a conversation like this. And I think we'll get even further into your story. But um, we're kind of alluding to ticks and, and all these things. But for someone that maybe is listening to the show and maybe doesn't know what something like Lyme disease is, how would you describe it to them? So it's in a bacterial infection that is commonly transmitted through ticks, but it could be through any biting insects. So that would be spiders, sandflies, mosquitoes is a huge one. And uh, it's a spiral shaped bacteria that is transmitted through the bite of the insect. It can also be transmitted in utero. But um, just for the sake of me talking and explaining it, I'll just talk about it as if it was through an insect bite. So it's sort of like getting injected with um, nature's needle. It's just like, it's like a dirty needle. So um, it carries not only the bacteria of Borrelia burgdorferi, which is the scientific name for Lyme disease, but also what are known as co-infections. And those are other infections that is carried from the same insect. So when you really think about it, like insects, they're not only on like deer or on like dogs there they could be on possums on raccoons yeah. on mm-hmm. squirrels um rats so when i think about it, i'm like oh wow I, I share some bacteria with rats probably yeah. how nice <laughs> but that's why i say it's like being injected with nature's dirty needle. yeah yeah so and it can no, cause no. a whole host of symptoms if not treated right away so typically uh people don't know that they were bit by a tick because yeah as I said, less than 25% of the population who is bit by a tick don't have the bullseye rash. And if you don't mm-hmm. have the bullseye rash, like how are you going to know? Mm-hmm. So if you don't catch it within about like 24 hours, then the bacteria can leave the bloodstream very quickly and it can burrow in your organs, in your um, tissue, muscles, 
bones just in your like very deep inside of your body and it's very hard to detect then and then once it progresses through those stages after a few weeks it enters into late stage and then once that happens then it's very very hard to get rid of the bacteria kind of leads me right into my next question. You said that a lot of people don't get the bullseye rash or like a sign right away that you have. And know that for Lyme disease and some other chronic illnesses as well, it's really hard to get a diagnosis, which is a big part of your journey and the company that you've started to help with that process. But how was that journey for you, like finally getting a diagnosis? Because I know sometimes it could take years for people to get a proper diagnosis in order to start being able to help your symptoms and treat what might be going on? Yeah. So there are a few moving parts to getting a diagnosis. And there are a few things that are very flawed in the entire process. Number one is our medical system is not designed to treat a chronic illness. It's trained to treat acute illness. And doctors oftentimes are not schooled in Lyme disease. And That was the case with all the doctors I saw, and they tested me for everything under the sun, except for Lyme disease. And if you don't become your own health advocate in this day and age, it's really hard to get a Lyme test. And even so, with Lyme tests, that brings me to my next point of um, how flawed the system is. Lyme disease is so insidious and is a very, very smart bacteria and that it will migrate from your bloodstream and, as I mentioned, burrow itself into the innermost parts of your body. And a lot of the Lyme testing is a blood test. So it may not even detect that you have Lyme disease in your blood, however, you might still have Lyme disease. So a lot of people who have Lyme disease still test negative, Mm. which is very confusing, makes it so much harder to get diagnosed. Also layer that with the medical gaslighting that occurs if doctors cannot figure out what's wrong with you, all of a sudden it's in your head or you just have to de-stress. And I cannot tell you how many times I was told that. Actually one doctor in his post-visit notes called me delusional. Oh and for like more common issues like I know for women a lot of we know like that the science and the research that is done has excluded women for so long yeah a hundred percent that is unfortunately something that a lot of women experience being gaslit or just being kind of blown off or not taken seriously mm-hmm. yeah and that that takes it to like a whole other level too when it's literally like I feel like sometimes when you, when you feel in your body that something is wrong or off and then almost, you know, go to a professional in hopes of them either whether you're right or whether they validate it or whether they help you just find an answer. I feel like the feeling of uncertainty in any topic and then especially when it's related to your health or just like your overall well-being is so stressful that to feel like, I don't know, to, to feel, I guess, disregarded or to feel like someone's not understanding what you're saying um, or is totally shutting you down when like you just feel that something is wrong. Like that is like a whole other level. Like I feel like there's one thing of you could tell sometimes when people aren't listening or aren't giving you um, the right attention. But I feel like there's this whole other thing when, you know, we entrust a certain like level of professional (laughs) to help us and guide us in a certain direction. 
um, because not everyone is just naturally educated in something like that. That's why people go to school for it. But to feel like disregarded in that sense, I feel like it's just really difficult. So <laughs> with all that being said, we would love to know some more about chronically hacked. So how does this help the like diagnosis process? You want to yeah, so that? it took me so long to get diagnosed. And it was such a long journey of me bouncing from doctor to doctor and leaving with more questions than answers and feeling Mm -hmm. discouraged. And then it just dawned on me one day, I'm like, you know what, I have to be my own health advocate, I need to Mm -hmm. start googling all this stuff, because I am getting nowhere. I'm wasting Mm -hmm. so much time, so much money. It's so frustrating. And I just know that there's something else wrong with my health that no doctor is Mm. getting to the root cause of. I mean, symptoms were the skin issues, the digestive issues, the brain fog, and the joint pain. And every time I went to the doctor, they would keep addressing the symptoms. They would say like, oh, take this like topical ointment for your eczema. Or Mm. like here, take some like digestive enzymes for um, gut or you need to take more probiotics. And I'm like, you know, I mean, that's all fine and well, that will help. But I just felt like there was something deeper that we were not getting yeah. to. Right. That so was connecting all the pieces versus yeah. having like multiple different things exactly. going on. It's like there has to be something at the yeah. root of all of these things that we can yeah. treat, you know, by themselves. But mm-hmm. just treating each individual one is not going to fix the root yeah. problem. And doctors these days are so specialized in their field mm-hmm. that you would see a specialist. I'd see a specialist for my joint pain. I see a specialist for my stomach issues and my brain fog. And they all have their own assessment of me. But then I was just like, can't we just all talk about this as the body is a whole and everything is connected. And then I was starting to kind of put the puzzle pieces together on my own end and kind of like, I guess just, get more clarity on what was going on with myself. So then I started looking up all my symptoms on Google, getting really deep in research. And I, until, let me, I guess, kind of um, provide a little bit of a timeline for your listeners. So I'm a little bit unique in that I just thought that my issues were my normal. So Mm -hmm. I didn't pursue a diagnosis when I was very young. That probably mm-hmm. would have been better. I would have probably would have gotten diagnosed sooner mm-hmm. and I probably wouldn't have gotten to this late stage of Lyme disease. But um, just to kind of give a synopsis. So I grew up on the East Coast. And then when I was 13, my family and I moved to the Bay Area because my dad got a job transfer. And in that time, my eczema seemed to clear up a little bit. It wasn't that it cleared up 100%, but it cleared up enough where we thought that Maybe my skin issues were more climate related than anything else mm, because it's very humid on the East Coast. So we thought, well, the dry climate is probably better, even though San Francisco is still foggy and yeah. damp. It's a lot less humid than mm-hmm. the East Coast. So I wasn't going to question why I was feeling better. And at the time, my parents still didn't know about my digestive issues. So they thought that my only issues were my skin issues and that was clearing up. So I was pretty healthy overall. So I never said anything until my late teens, when my issues just really reached a climax. I was experiencing debilitating bloating. Like I would look like I was nine months pregnant just from having a cup of tea. Everything would set my stomach off. And it seemed like I was allergic to everything. My joint pain was so bad 
that I would have to stretch for, I'm not even kidding, three hours a day to oh try God. to alleviate the pain. And it was just taking up so much of my life. Wow. Because yeah. I'd be like, oh, no, I can't go to the movies. Like, I have to stretch. Like, I wouldn't be able to sleep if I didn't foam roll on my foam roller for, like, mm. 45 minutes and do all these different stretches. And I knew there was something else going on that I just – didn't know yet. I, I knew something was going on, but I didn't know what it, what it was. Right. Yeah. And I just knew I had to figure it out. So yeah. that's when I told my parents, I was like, look, listen up. Like, there's something going on here right. that's really wrong. Like, there's something messed up with my digestion. I can't drink a glass of water without being in debilitating pain and being mm. in a position oh my on God. my bed. And it, it is affecting my life. My joint pain is just like completely off the charts. I don't know if. I have food allergies or what is going on. So my mom took me to see a nutritionist and the nutritionist did a skin prick test on me. And she discovered that I was allergic or like what came up on the results as allergic to about 75% of the foods that she tested me for. And she tested me for like almost 80%. Oh my gosh. So she said that when she sees results like that, there are typically false positives. So it's not truly an allergy, but it's just my entire immune system is in such inflammation that it is reacting to foods that it's not actually allergic to. So she said that it's probably leaky gut. And I don't know, like, I guess I'll explain leaky gut. So leaky gut is when uh, you are sensitive to food or something in your environment and you're not you don't know it like it doesn't present itself in such a symptom that it's like so severe where you're like Mm -hmm. oh my goodness like this definitely affects me like it could be a mild migraine or like a like eye sensitivity or like a very Mm -hmm. small dull stomach ache right so then after time the body starts reacting stronger and stronger to whatever you're sensitive to and then ultimately starts to create holes in your gut and obviously, food is not supposed to be leaking out of your digestion. No, that so sounds bad. It's kind of, yeah. So then your body attacks the food that's leaking out of your digestion because it's like, oh, we have a foreign invader here. It's not supposed to be over here. Mm-hmm. And that's how leaky gut starts. Mm. So my nutritionist said, it's idiopathic. We don't know what caused it, but you have leaky gut. I'm sure of it because your body's reacting to all these different foods. So she had me detox from the foods for a month and then reintroduce the food that I had tested or reacted to after a month and see how it went. And to put a long story short, we didn't get anywhere about after a year and a half with her. I couldn't introduce the foods back into my diet. And there was that was another red flag. There was something else going on. It wasn't just leaky gut. Right. Nutritionist was like, I I don't know what to do with you. You're such an atypical case. I can send you to Stanford Medical Hospital or uh, UCSF because we were in the Bay Area. Those are really world renowned research centers that have state of the art facilities for testing. So I ended up going to Stanford and I was bounced around from doctor to doctor there, from GI to rheumatologist to neurologist to cardiologist to endocrinologist to nutritionist to allergist and all these specialists as I said they all have their own specialty but they just didn't all talk together so I pretty much was just a human science experiment for those Mm -hmm. years and this Mm -hmm. was my early 20s and I was still under my parents insurance so 
at the time I was just like, you know, let me just go with what's covered by insurance, even though I was still doing my own research and coming across these um, naturopaths. And I didn't look into Lyme at that time. I was just looking into like functional medicine doctor, but those doctors are still not covered by insurance. So I was like, you know, let me cross that bridge when I get there. Let me just go with what's covered by insurance for now, because while I'm still under my parents' insurance, might as well do all of those doctors and see if I can get anywhere there because medical expenses, they're not cheap. And I no, I was a college student living at home, going to school online for graphic design. I was just trying to save my pennies as much as possible. So that is my history with trying to get diagnosed. And I'm kind of bouncing around a little bit. So I hope that I'm like somewhat coherent and cohesive. Yeah, no, it, I mean, I can only imagine how frustrating that might have been and whether there's someone listening that has Lyme or another chronic illness or something that is just like more difficult to get diagnosed. I think it's really, like Brenda said before, that you're not alone and that, you know, just validating the frustration mm-hmm. of that I think is really helpful to anyone who might be experiencing something similar. So the the journey is so helpful and it led you to, chronically hacked which oh yeah i'm getting i'm getting there as i said i'm a very long-winded person and there's a lot of moving parts oh no we love the detail condense it all no of course we're huge detail people literally we and julia talk about all the time like we joke around julia wants every little nitty-gritty detail whenever (laughs) we like see our friends again which you know julia and i live on opposite coast now Mm -hmm. um she is like notorious for all of the details what did you wear what did you eat who said this (laughs) who said that so don't worry it's all good (laughs) you've come to the right place and i'm sorry for your listeners who are just like get on with the story no no they they love it so so i um turned 26 and i got off of my parents insurance and i was like you know what I'm 26 now, and it doesn't matter if I go to someone covered by insurance or not, because it doesn't really matter. I'm going to be paying a lot of money anyway, regardless. So that's when I started getting even deeper and doing my research. And I looked at my symptoms. I started looking more into chronic illness because at leading up until that moment, I was tested for every autoimmune disease you can imagine. I got endoscopies, colonoscopies, ultrasounds. I got something called a gastric emptying study which just basically measures how slow or fast your digestion is. And one of my main symptoms was my bloating. So that's why they did that study on me. And after eight hours of getting testing done, they discovered that what they had given me in the morning to eat, um, because let me kind of backtrack. What they do is you go to the hospital or the testing center, you eat a breakfast, and then basically every single hour, they track where that food is in your digestion. And it just measures like how how fast you're digesting. So after eight hours, I still had not digested the food. So after four hours, most people with the average digestion would have already digested the food. So it just goes and went to show the doctors, well, like this chick isn't making this stuff up. She really is bloated. She has a terrible slow digestion. It's about twice as slow as the average person yeah so again that's just a symptom and I gotten that done and then um I tested negative for everything else like SIBO Crohn's ulcerative colitis celiac disease uh C. diff you name it I was tested for it and it came back negative which was so frustrating because at that point not that I was praying to be sick I just wanted a positive result. Yeah, absolutely. Validation that there was something wrong with me. Of course. So 
yeah, after I was doing all this research, looking at my symptoms, I came across different um, infectious diseases like bacterial infections like Lyme disease, parasite overgrowth, candida overgrowth, uh, and uh, thyroid disease. And it, it just kind of set off a light bulb in my head. I was like, huh, you know, these are very similar to what I experience. And from that, I somehow clicked on to some chronic illness online support groups. And I asked in the group, I was like, hey, guys, I have a lot of these symptoms. I have been tested for all these other things, all negative. No doctor knows what to do with me. I don't even know what to do with myself at this point. I'm just so frustrated. And I'm just like, is this something I'm going to have to live with? Is it worth getting tested for Lyme disease? Because at that time, then Lyme started becoming more on my radar. And overwhelmingly, I got such a response that people said, you have to get tested for Lyme. All of your symptoms are very Lyme-like. You probably have moles too. That was something else that kept coming up, mold, parasites. And I was like, you know what? Okay, I'm, I'm, I'll do it. I'll do it. And I went to um, school online, as I mentioned, and I graduated in 2020, even though I'm 29. I would have graduated in 2016 if my entire life didn't blow up in the middle of of me going to school and Mm -hmm. me having to try to figure out what was wrong with me was like a full-time job. That is a full-time job. We'll we'll get into this later, but my mom and I started My July, our clean skincare line in the midst of all of this madness Mm -hmm. that I dropped down to being a part-time student. So I graduated in 2020, which was COVID famously. Mm -hmm. So I was kind of disappointed. This is a side note. I was kind of disappointed. I went to school online as an online student just to save money. And I went to Savannah College of Art and Design. No shade to the South. I wasn't too keen on the South when I visited it. And I was like, you know what? Let me just stay in California, save money, stay with my parents because we have a good relationship. And I'm going to school for graphic design. So it's like very computer heavy anyway. So I was looking forward to being able to actually walk in my graduation in person. I was like, oh, I can actually do something traditional after these eight years being an online student. And then my graduation was online. So my dad, as a graduation gift, because he knew I was bummed out about that, and he just wanted to do something super sweet for me because it was a long haul to the finish of eight years of just slugging away at it, that he gifted us all, my family and my dog came to a road trip to LA because one of my favorite cities was LA. And one of the Lyme doctors who I had targeted, who was on my radar, who diagnosed a few of my friends from the chronic illness support groups was in LA. So mm-hmm. he also gifted me the initial visit with the doctor. So it was like the most not mainstream avant-garde yeah. uh, <laughs> so graduation cute. gift you could have gotten, but he saved my life essentially because wow. pretty much the doctor diagnosed me on the spot. She wow. said my eczema, what we all thought was eczema was actually a flare-up of Babesia, which is a co-infection of Lyme disease, which attacks Mm. the skin. And my gut issues, my joint pain were caused by Bartonella, which is another co-infection of Lyme disease, which affects the joints. And it can also cause Bell's palsy, also known as like paralysis of different organs. 
and I was diagnosed after my gastric emptying study with gastroparesis, which means that my stomach was partially paralyzed. So yeah. all these puzzle pieces are coming together and I'm like, oh, yeah. wow. So like this is what's causing my uh, delayed um, digestion. This is mm-hmm. what's causing my skin issues. It's not like what all the doctors were saying all along. And it's definitely not in my head mm-hmm. after I got the positive results back. And my doctor was on the mark for everything. I also have high levels of black mold caused from water damage buildings. And that goes back to how I believe that this whole madness started. With yeah. All of my mold is scary. That's so yeah. crazy. It is. Like, and- so many people are affected by it and have no idea because we're just like living in buildings that aren't maintained properly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's so crazy. something that's often overlooked our air quality indoors. I was yep. listening to a podcast the other day about mold, actually, and the mold specialist that was the guest on the podcast was saying how oftentimes our air quality indoors is worse than outdoors because we're yeah. either living in mold or we spray chemical house cleaners all over. Yep. And it's just, it's amazing because we spend most of our time indoors. So, yep. It's yeah, it was just something that was like, wow, that's yeah. just like we're we're pretty much making ourselves sick. Yeah, yeah. It's, crazy. it's so crazy. Yeah. And I, I love that you mentioned one of the the little things that like play a part of your story is Julia and I talked a lot, especially actually through like COVID times and all of that. Um, so much about like communities and finding like your communities. And we talk a lot about social media and how much power there is behind it. Of course, there's also a lot of things that make social media difficult, and we talk about that too. But in terms of one of the things that we really love about it is how we're really able to connect with people from like all different areas of the world and find these like commonalities and be able to get these types of like suggestions or feedback. And granted, we can't believe every single thing that everyone says, but to be able to like go to a space where, you know, you you weren't feeling validated or seen or understood by professionals that you were entrusting. <laughs> and then to be able to go to a place where people are like, wait, I have that too, or I've experienced this too, or hey, you should look into this like it's so it's so nice to be able to have access to that and we encourage our listeners all the time to we know it's not like necessarily the easiest thing in the world but just like quick little buzzwords that you can type in with with curiosity like so often you can find communities that are so uplifting um and obviously being careful with the things that we believe or choose to follow entirely um having a little bit of like a I don't know, thinking twice before we totally maybe implement something into our own routine, obviously, but it's really cool to be able to have that. Yeah. And that actually is a great segue into Chronically Hacked. Yeah. Because basically I was diagnosed by Lyme patients in chronic illness support groups and they helped me immensely gain clarity on my health. They told me like different keywords to even tell a doctor or yeah. different ways to describe my symptoms that I had mm-hmm. no idea about or different testing to ask specifically to get done. Mm-hmm. And there are all these little hacks I learned along the way that um, made me want to eventually, after I got on my healing journey, which I am on now, start my own course. So yeah. me and my friend Diana, who also has Lyme disease and different co-infections, mold and parasite overgrowth and the whole shebang, she and I really, well, we actually met in one of those um, online support groups. 
And we really hit it off because we discovered that we both live in LA. I moved to LA um, shortly after I was diagnosed with Lyme disease because it was just a better healing place for me to be in. A drier, hotter climate is better for me, especially because I have mold. And then living in damp, foggy San Francisco is very not conducive to healing from mold. So um, then I, I was in LA when I met Diana and she's in LA too. So we are both entrepreneurs. She has a private chef business and I have the clean skincare line and we just got to chatting and we would compare notes all the time. Then we started talking like all about everything all the time because we have very similar personalities that eventually we said, hey, we have together so much shared knowledge of how we got diagnosed. Like even just people out there don't even know that there's something called a Lyme literate medical doctor that exists. Mm. That's who you see to get diagnosed with Lyme disease. Most people just go to their like general whatever, like, um, GP. Right. And if you ask them about Lyme disease, I can assure you that they will shut you down. So there are all these different tricks that we've learned along the way that we said, you know, if we had this when we were early on in our journey to a diagnosis, it would have cut out so many years and money and frustration out of the whole entire process. So we are so not gatekeepers. We, I'm a chronic oversharer (laughs) and we developed all of our um, tools, tricks, and hacks into this series of eight video modules and an accompanying ebook. And we have um, different contributions from all different Lyme advocates. We have Ali Hilfiger, who's a Lyme warrior. And we have Holly Owens from Wealthy Belly, who's an influencer, wellness. She is in remission from Lyme disease. We have... Mm-hmm. Dr. Richard Horowitz, who is a leading Lyme doctor who contributed to. So we really kind of put our heads together and got some of the smartest Lyme advocates we could think of to put together this course that not only covers Lyme disease, but it covers parasite overgrowth and mold toxicity, co-infections, and um, candida, thyroid disease, Everything that we could think of that's associated oftentimes with Lyme disease, because it often comes as a package deal, because once you're immunocompromised with one illness, oftentimes you become a magnet for everything else. Mm -hmm. So it's very rare to just have Lyme disease and Lyme alone. So it's Mm -hmm. a course that we wish was available when we were seeking a diagnosis. It's amazing. Like Brenda said, just like having a place to go to, to just feel not alone and have the research all put together for you in one place I think that that's so amazing and I the chronically hacked I just love the name because it's literally what you're doing like getting all the hacks and tricks and um information and putting it all in one place so I think it's just amazing that you guys have put that together and while you were going through your process like how frustrating that was what how did you keep your mindset going and um allowing you to keep fighting it every day and fighting the fight to get to Mm -hmm to the diagnosis and to now healing. Yeah. I'm a very driven, tenacious, self-motivated person. So I always knew that I would find my answers, even though like, Mm -hmm. yeah, I got discouraged Mm -hmm. and I let myself get sad and I did have my moments of Of despair and there's nothing more discouraging 
than seeing your body deteriorate or i shouldn't say discouraging more scary rather than seeing your body deteriorate every single day and not knowing what to do with it and you just like you just feel like you're falling you're free falling and no one can help you but even in my most um desperate of moments i i knew that i was going to find my answers Mm -hmm. because i knew i wouldn't stop until i found them so yeah yeah, i love that Wow. And, and I did have a I should give a shout out to my parents because they were so supportive to me during oh, that time. Really I know I'm super blessed to have them because not everyone seeking a diagnosis has that support. But my mom, I lived at home. So my parents saw my symptoms on a daily basis. I knew yeah. I wasn't making this up. So my yeah. mom would accompany with all me with all of my doctor's visits. And we both have very strong intuitions. So mm-hmm. we both knew that there it was something else going on even if the doctor yeah. would say no no all the labs were normal or it's all in your head or yeah. they just couldn't come to any conclusive answers for me we knew that there was an answer out there yeah speaking of your mom i really want to start talking about my july because yeah. i know you founded this um line with your mom how mm-hmm. did it come about that you guys were going to create a clean skincare line so one of my worst flare-ups when i was seeking a diagnosis happened to me when i was going to school online and it was this rash flare-up on my hands and it just progressed to such a bad point that i lost flexibility in my fingers like if i went like this the skin around my knuckles would literally crack and bleed I walked around the house with bandages wrapped around my hands like a burn victim so I wouldn't bleed all over the place. And you don't realize how much you use your hands until you can't use them anymore. So I couldn't wash my hair. I couldn't make my bed. I couldn't walk my dog. I couldn't drive. I couldn't cut up food to eat. Basically, all I could do was just have my hands hover over the keyboard and just type like that. Which <laughs> minimal was basically all I needed to be able to do um, because I was going to school for graphic design. Mm-hmm. So it was so uncomfortable living like that, that my mom took to the kitchen and started alchemizing different skincare treatments for me to use. That's and amazing. I should also mention, I did not see a dermatologist during that time. Maybe the rashes would have cleared up if I had gotten the steroid cream, maybe like even back when I was a child, maybe if I had let my rashes progress to this point, it would have gotten to that point. Mm-hmm. But I was so burnt out from seeing doctors. So I was yeah. like, no, the answer is not seeing the doctor. I'm yeah. not going to just use another ointment on me. And it was one of these where I knew the answer was not seeing the doctor, but I didn't know what the answer was. And doing nothing wasn't going to accomplish anything either right. because I wasn't able to use my hands. So that was that was pretty severe. So it got to that point where my mom was like, that's enough. We have to figure something out. So Mm -hmm. she started looking up these different skincare treatments that you can home make just with basic ingredients that you have in your kitchen, like olive oil and coconut oil and Mm -hmm. essential oils. So she started making it for me and it soothed my skin. And I'm not going to say that it was the miracle balm that solved everything because I still wasn't diagnosed with Lyme at that point. And I had so many underlying issues, like a bacterial infection to try to um, rid my body of that Mm -hmm. it 
didn't solve all those problems, but it definitely soothed my skin. And we thought that once we came up with a good formula that we liked, I surely can't be the only person who's dealing with it. Right, who needs it. So, and even so, even doing all our research, we discovered how many toxins and chemicals are in our skincare. Mm -hmm. Even though my mom doesn't have any known health issues, it's not like she has the green light then to go ahead and put chemicals on her skin. So it's for basically anyone who doesn't want to put anything on their skin they wouldn't trust eating. And that's how we launched My July. We launched with body butters because my skin is chronically dry. So we wanted to Mm -hmm. launch with something that's super thick and dense and nourishing. And then Mm -hmm. we branched out to body oils. And now we have a line of body butters, body oils, a face oil, a repair balm, a face mist. And am I missing anything? That And a face, did I say face oil? I don't know. Yeah, I did. I said face oil. Okay. Oh You're getting like a real look into my line brain. I'm like, huh? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, that's incredible. And it, it's so special yeah. to like be connected to something too that obviously with your mom, with the, with the relationship that you, have, that you have with your mom, but also I feel like it's such a testament to like how you know how much it seems like she fought for you and to you know to work on something together and I feel like something that I really just love in like you as a human that is so clear it's like you took your struggles and you turned them into strengths and you're sharing them with the world and you're like you know paying it forward essentially to have people struggle a little bit less (laughs) throughout their journey and it's just it's so powerful and I'm certain that there's so many people listening to this whether they're relating to this exact scenario or whether maybe it's something else that they're dealing with that they're looking to have hope that they'll eventually solve like it's just it's it's really beautiful that you're paying it forward in that way um and for people maybe that aren't you know maybe either don't use clean products or don't know why it's important or anything like that what would you say to encourage people um, or explain to them as to why it's important to have some clean products? We are bombarded by so many toxins and chemicals on a day-to-day basis, just going mm-hmm. outside. We have pollution that if there's something that we can control that we put yeah. in our bodies and on our bodies, yeah, then we should, by all means, like strive to be as clean as possible to treat our bodies with as much love and kindness as possible so that we don't add to the toxic burden that we have. And our skin is our largest organ. People don't think about the skin as absorbing what you put on it, but pretty much what you put on your skin is what you are. You're still feeding your body one way or another. Yeah. It's literally, it's the largest organ. Like everything we put on it is going to have an effect on our overall health, especially if we're doing something every single day for like our whole life. And I I think, you know, there's so much more talk about it now, clean products, both skin products and makeup and household products than there was like even just a year ago or two years ago. Um, But I think people have this kind of like false notion of that. It's like a harder thing to do. But really, like, if you just like the thing that I've been doing is like once I run out of a product, I'll just exchange instead of buying that same product, I'll just exchange it for a cleaner version, whether that's like my spray cleaner in my house or my shower soap. It's just like, okay, when that bottle runs out, replace it with a clean product and you can do it like little by little. And eventually, you know, most of your products will 
be cleaner than maybe the ones that you were using before. And I love what you said about it of just like, it's just about taking care of yourself and just giving yourself like the best things that you possibly can. And of course, everyone's financial situations are different. And, you know, certain things do cost more than others. And of course, not everyone can afford to change everything over, but the little things that you can do, I think go a long way. And I think a lot of our culture has this like either zero or a hundred mentality of like, I have to be either a hundred percent clean and eat this way and live my life this way or not at all. Mm -hmm. And I, what I've learned from listening to experts on this um, and watching documentaries and like just gaining all the knowledge I can is that just the little things really do make a difference. You don't have to be zero or a hundred, you know, where you can put in the little extra changes or efforts to take care of yourself. It does make a difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. A little bit is better than nothing. Yeah. 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 And there's a great documentary on HBO that did mm-hmm. a, what was it called? Um, There's like a four part series. It was the Think Dirty people are the ones that produced it it's really good um it's on hbo and they uncover a lot of stuff about all the lack of a better word shit that's in our products um and there's there's um a couple apps like think dirty and the ewg app that are great Mm -hmm. for testing your products and checking your products and finding cleaner alternatives um and if you're going to get body butters and stuff obviously you're going to my july um and the packaging it's I didn't so know that you were a graphic design major and now it makes so much sense because the, yes. the packaging is so gorgeous. It's when so I got the cute. bottles, I was like, oh, oh my God. Yeah. Even my little, little baby. With the gouache, They're like so, so stunning. beautiful. Like if it's someone attractive, was you know, with one yeah. My July product, which would you recommend? I love our face oil. It's called mm-hmm. Goldmine Face Oil, and it pretty much has every single possible oil that is good for mm-hmm. your face in it. Mm-hmm. And it has a such a earthy but sweet scent. It has vanilla, geranium, coriander, and carrot seed essential oils. So it's just a really well-balanced oil in that it's not too strong in one way or another. Sometimes with skincare, I feel like it's a little too heavy on muskiness or Mm -hmm. on floralness or anything like that and what we really strive to do is to create just nice clean gender neutral skincare that could be worn by anyone of all ages suitable for all skin types just good everyday skincare that you can feel good using yeah it's incredible, you guys. We have our own little packages that we'll start to share a little bit more on our stories and whatnot once the episode actually airs so that you guys can check out and really like understand our personal reviews of it. I'm actually not sure if Julie and I ended up getting the same products. Um, or what... we did. We didn't talk about it. Yeah, we didn't talk about <laughs> it. Even loving that. Yeah, now we have more to talk about. Um, but we'll share that all with you guys. So definitely make sure to check it out. We're going to link everything in the show notes so that you guys can check it out as well. But to kind of switch gears a little bit, because we mentioned at the, be- at the beginning of the show, and how could we not discuss the fact that you're writing your first memoir? Like, what? <laughs> so what can we expect from that? Yeah, so I am, <laughs> I'm about two thirds of the way done with it. It was something that I started when I was really sick from Lyme disease about two years ago. So right after I got diagnosed in, or actually a little bit after I got diagnosed in 2020, the first 
stages of my healing journey were very, very rough because I went through a lot of withdrawal, withdrawal from um, different medications and just mm-hmm. the whole training the body to detox from the different infections is almost like going through a, a drug withdrawal, like the body's used to almost like in a twisted way, the body welcomes the bacteria because it's like home to it. And it just like, that's it's normal. But then once you start to try to um, rid the body of what it thinks is good inside of it, it starts to react negatively. So I was going through a lot of that. And I wasn't feeling well, and I wasn't able to do a lot of things. And basically, I just sat on my bed a lot, just feeling really weak. And instead of feeling sad for myself, I'd write my memories because putting the puzzle pieces back together, a lot of my memories from my childhood that were not normal, but were normal to me, what I thought was my personality, Mm. were really not what a lot of other people experienced. Like I was terrified when I was young to forget names or forget things or because one Mm. of my symptoms was my brain fog so I was always shy I was always kind of introverted but I remember Mm. not being able to speak up in class because I was so terrified that I was gonna lose my train of thought and not Mm. remember what I was gonna say so that is something that a lot of other kids don't experience yeah so it's just something that has lived with me ever since I can remember that and then just having to plan social gatherings around my gut issues and whether I'd eat or not when I went to see friends and what I'd wear if I got bloated and Mm -hmm. just like different random weird things that happened during my childhood. Also, Mm -hmm. like um, I peppered in a lot of nostalgia because I am a sentimental fool and Mm -hmm. I just have so many sweet memories growing up on the East Coast and just having all of the property to play around with. And my mom was my best friend growing up. She still is my best friend because she was a stay-at-home mom. And we did so many fun things together. So it's kind of like a little bit of a nod to my childhood mixed in with all of the random quirky events that happened that were not normal. But I thought they were normal until I realized <laughs> that I had a chronic illness I was living with my entire life. Oh, so that is so gorgeous. Thank you. And it got me through a lot of the hard times of me um, just being really deep in in my healing journey. And I'm seeking a literary agent representation. So if anyone listening to this knows of a literary agent or anything, hit me up, please. Because that has kind of taken a little bit of the back burner as Mm -hmm. I am working on Chronically Hacked and getting that on its feet because that just launched this past May of 2023 and continually working on my July gearing up for the holidays, which I can't believe are coming up. But my July is such a good holiday gift for anyone looking for like a really beautiful, unique holiday gift. I think they're just like, they would be gorgeous gifts for like a mom and aunt a friend we have to do like a little oh, holiday you. something so much. yeah we do have holiday kits that we just launched too. Love. So that's fun. Love that. but um yeah I do know just like I knew I was gonna get diagnosed with something I do know that I'm gonna publish my memoir someday mm-hmm. and that. when the time is right then it'll happen 
We're waiting for it. And then you'll have to come back on the podcast to talk about we'll the talk book more that. when it's out. So <laughs> oh, 100%. we'll be waiting yes, for it. Yes. This has been so incredible. Thank you so much for like all of your vulnerability and sharing your story with us and the beautiful things that you're birthing into the world, um, like Chronically Hacked and My July. It's amazing. We just have a couple last questions for you before we let you go. This does. This could be about health or this could be just about anything else. What has been a resource that you felt was instrumental for guiding you through your 20s? Let's say podcast. I can't pinpoint one specific podcast, but I am just a podcast junkie. I love listening to other people's stories and hearing what they've gone through, even if it's something completely different than what I've gone through, or if it's like a completely different topic than something that I deal with on a daily basis. It's just so fascinating to hear what other people have overcome or what they've learned or just, I just, I love to learn. So I I think learning from other people's experiences has definitely helped me through my twenties. We're, we're huge, clearly podcast people. Um, and I feel like it's just something about hearing people's stories. Like you mentioned nostalgia, even in, in the memoir that you're writing and everything, I feel like there's something so like connecting about hearing like the nitty gritty details of people's stories so and our last question for you is where can people find you where can people find my july and all of the incredible resources that you have i have a personal instagram it's at michaela who and it'll be linked in the show notes i guess Uh, my name isn't the easiest to spell so it's m-i-c-a-e-l-a H-O-O. My parents wanted to be unique and take the H out of <laughs> Every the... Michaela spells their name different also. Like yeah. every yes, one. Yes, I mean, there's so many variations. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. So um, that is my personal Instagram if you want to keep up with me on the daily. And I am also at My July Skin with my mom. That's our clean beauty skincare Instagram. And myjulyskin.com is where you can find all of the My July goodies. And Chronically Hacked is at Chronically Hacked on Instagram. And the website is chronicallyhacked.com. Amazing. Makilla, thank you so, so much again. Everybody, go get yourself a little goodie from My July. They're really beautiful products. And um, follow Makilla. And we were just so happy to have you here. Thank you so much for your time and sharing your stories with us. This was so much fun. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Goodbye, everybody. Bye, everyone. Bye. We hope that you enjoyed today's episode. Michaela has generously offered us a discount code for our listeners. Go to myjulyskin.com and get 15% off your order of MyJuly with code Roaring15, R-A-W-R-I-N-G-15. These products are luxurious and gorgeous and amazing. They make beautiful holiday gifts. So treat yourself and someone you love to MyJuly at myjulyskin.com with code Roaring15 for 15% off your order. Enjoy. Thanks for listening to Roaring Twenties Podcast. Be sure to rate and review wherever you get your podcasts and please subscribe. You're never alone. Our pride sticks together. Tune in every Monday and Thursday for new episodes of Roaring Twenties Podcast. You get to start your week with us and end your week with us. With love, Brenda and Julia. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. 
Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.